The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. George Kurtz will give us a betting preview of tonight's Western Conference Finals game between Las Vegas and Montreal. A, a huge game with potentially the most expensive sports ticket being purchased in the U.S. and Canada tonight as the Habs are trying to close out Las Vegas. That's where we're going to begin with our headlines here on the show you're talking about thousands of dollars to get in the door tonight. That's how iconic that Montreal team is as they take on Vegas. And Vegas, of course, a favorite in this one. So George will give his pick coming up in about 10 minutes from now. Stay on the grid for that. Phoenix travels to Los Angeles to take on the Clippers for Game 3. Last look over on FanDuel showed us that Phoenix is a very small favorite. Probably the reason why, because Chris Paul is probable and should be back tonight, although Kawhi Leonard is definitely out for Game 3. And we've got the Royals and Yankees getting ready to start here, so we'll keep an eye on that game as well as we carry you here on the 1 o'clock hour on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Well, yesterday, the Phillies lost another heartbreaker by one run. Hector Norris came in the ninth inning, gave up a couple of runs to the Nationals, and it seems like the same issues the Phillies had last year are just rearing themselves again this year with their bullpen. Uh, but unlike last year, it looks like the Phillies are in a much better position to win the division. They're only a handful of games out. And Bryce Harper was pretty candid in his discussion, saying that the Phillies need to play better baseball in order to force the hand of the front office to make moves. We have to be able to go in there and win the games that we need to. Um, we're, you know, we're kind of depleted in the Meyer Lakes. We can't really trade anybody, and we don't really have anybody to trade down there um, to go out and get guys that are really, really good. Um, and, you know, Dave Dombrowski needs to have faith in his team that we can go out there and win games if he goes out and adds somebody, um, and if it's worth it to be able to do that um, when that time comes. So um, I, of course, want to put pressure on him to do that. You know, as, as a team, we need to. Um, but that's only if we're winning games. If we're not winning games, and there's no point of doing that, right? Um but, you know, I think as a team, we, we can never think that we're out of it. Um, we can never think that this game doesn't matter. Or this at-bat doesn't matter. Um, every at-bat, every inning counts. I don't care if you're out of it or in it. Um, you know, 
these at bats count each and every day, especially for the young guys that we have right now as well. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't want to ever think we're out of anything. Uh, you can flip a switch real quick and win, you know, nine out of 10. And, you know, I think uh, we're in that moment where we need to, you know, be able to do that and start winning games on the road as well, start winning games at home, start winning games that we're supposed to win um, and not lose games that we're not supposed to lose. That was definitely the case yesterday, Davis. They should have won that game a couple of different times. McCutcheon with a grand slam, pinch hit. And the other part is that we always want our athletes, Davis, to be honest. And I appreciate Bryce Harper for being that. I would also tell you that imagine watching Dave Dombrowski watch the first 30 seconds of that interview with Harper saying we have no one to trade in the minor leagues for anybody in the major leagues. Uh, I, I'm sure in the next interview Dombrowski does, he'll say, well, you know, we have plenty of guys, plenty of really good guys to trade. Uh, that's that's probably not something that the Phillies are going to look at, and they'll have to spin that a little bit, I think, at the deadline. So that game particularly for me yesterday was so frustrating. I, I had the Philadelphia Phillies stack going on FanDuel, but the way in which they were generating their runs, uh, they had McCutcheon hit a home run, who was a pinch hitter. They had Travis Jankowski hit a home run, who was batting seventh. Mm -hmm. Ronald Torres was getting in on the action. They had a couple hits and RBIs from the pitcher spot. So I'm sitting there, and I, I, you know, I check MLB at bat, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, the Phillies have all these runs. I'm going to go check FanDuel. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be winning all the tournaments. And that is not, in fact, what happened for me. I was not rich, and I was not winning the tournaments. Odubel Herrera goes 0 for 5. Reese Hoskins goes 1 for 6. JT Ramuto only gets one hit in the game, not even a double. It was all the bottom half of the order and pinch hitters. So I'm sitting there just so mad. It's like fantasy baseball. It's a very cruel game, Craig. Yeah, I, I have uh, picked it up a little bit in the standings over the last couple of weeks. One league, I have Adam Duvall, so that's only natural. Unfortunately, he's turned back into a pumpkin for a week. But yeah, uh, I have Real Muto, of course, in all of my leagues. I have Harper in, in, in that league, too. So uh, happy to see him getting right. But yeah, I, I'm kind of a lot on the Phillies this year offensively, so I'm going to need them to pick it up a little bit here. But uh, listen, to have our athletes speak honestly is what we want. So who am I to condemn Bryce Harper for talking and saying the farm system isn't good? He sees the farm system. He's there in spring training. He knows what they have. But Dave Dombrowski's got to spin that thing. All right, we'll take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports Today. But coming up next, it's the team that nobody wants to talk about, but you have to talk about in fantasy. It is the New York Jets. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel as they move away from their coach? They move away from their quarterback. And when those two things happen, you would think that good things are on the horizon, especially when it's Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. But is that going to be the case for the rest of their personnel in 2021? Well, right now you can play in the best ball format over on the NFBC, which essentially means you can draft the fantasy football team right now and then not touch it and then hope when you get to February you end up winning a fantasy championship. How do you do that? Well, we have Davis to tell us next about who you should be taking on the New York Jets. Then George Kurtz will join us and we'll preview the game tonight between Vegas and Montreal over on FanDuel. So stay on the grid for that as we're back in just two minutes. Stay on the grid. Don't go away.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. No more Adam Gates excuses anymore for the New York Jets and no more Sam Darnold excuses anymore as the Jets this offseason decided to bid farewell to both. So uh, not sure that they're quite in a rebuilding mode, Davis, but definitely the signal was it's time to at least try something new. And they have a new head coach. They have a ton of new personnel. A new quarterback was you know, sort of unclear as to what he could be in the first year. But when we look at the FanDuel's win total for the Jets, it sort of tells you that there's a chance because of their defense and because of some of the personnel, they have a chance to be okay. But for fantasy, it seemingly is very unclear at a lot of positions what kind of value you would get. So I'm guessing in best ball formats, later rounds, there's going to be a gem here. We just got to figure out who that is. Yeah, I mean, if you feel strongly that Zach Wilson is a good quarterback, that uh, what he did his final year in college, if you think that is representative of what he is going to be able to do in the NFL, there is going to be a lot of value on the New York Jets offense because all of the running backs are cheap. Uh, vast majority of the wide receivers are cheap. You know, they all go you know pretty well after pick 120. Wilson himself is one of the last starting quarterbacks who – goes in these drafts because uh, their backup situation is they don't really have one. Uh, James Morgan right now is listed as the backup quarterback for the New York Jets. So this is not, uh, you know, they don't have Andy Dalton there. They don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick there. They don't have, uh, you know, Matt Schaub or someone sitting there. You know, they don't have a veteran that they can turn things over to. It is Zach Wilson is going to have every chance to sink or swim with this New York Jets team. Is their third-string quarterback um, the kid from the Dallas Cowboys? I, f- I forget his name. Uh, I may have had him on a show previously, I've, and he was pretty good in college. White, Mike, Mike White. Yeah, I, I, that that's an interesting name for me. By the way, um, not not going to be drafted in fantasy at all. I thought Mike White had a chance to be okay 
in the NFL. And he's better than Morgan, by the way. I can tell you that right now. I saw Morgan play at FIU. But uh, that that's an interesting name there if, if something crazy was to happen. But uh, Davis is right. Zach Wilson is the guy. He was drafted very high. Uh, I, I did not love this kid in college, but I was so wrong on Herbert last year. I'm, I'm going to take my quarterback uh, predicting for a year and go home and just let this play out because I was so wrong. Uh, but I, I did not think Zach Wilson was going to be that great. But I'm not surprised he went high because there's that quarterback tax. But for me, if Wilson is going to be good, Davis, I do not see that happening this year. I, I think it, it may take a year for him. What do you think? Well, I did not think that the New York Jets made the right decision taking him at number two overall. I, I would have probably taken Justin Fields if I was them. And if I wasn't sold on Justin Fields for whatever reason, uh, I probably would have taken Trey Lance. Uh, so the deal with Zach Wilson was he was really not good his first two years at, at BYU. 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, 1,500 yards as a freshman. 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 2,300 yards as a sophomore. Then he blew up his final season at BYU. 3,600 yards, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions with 254 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns, which sounds very impressive. Uh, but this was their schedule, Craig, real quick. Uh, they played Navy, Troy, Louisiana Tech, University of Texas, San Antonio, Houston, Texas State, Western Kentucky. Now, they, to be fair, they did play Boise. They played uh, non-football championship division, North Alabama, Coastal Carolina, who they lost to, San Diego right. State, and the University of Central Florida. Not a very tough schedule. I will say this. Wilson did put things on film that if he is able to replicate them in the NFL would be very impressive, but... He had this amazing offensive line at BYU, and clearly the competition was just very low. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that, and, and I'm going to question it, but maybe he's good in the future. I'm not sure. Uh, not on my fantasy radar on in any league, best ball or, or even standard. Uh, okay, so running back is interesting for them this year for sure because Le'Veon Bell is gone. They certainly don't have any primary guy. Uh, Tevin Coleman, I don't trust him at all going into the year. Now, Michael Carter is going to be the name I'm sure we're going to talk about here. And then Michael Pirine, who's, who's more or less a third down guy. They gave him a chance to play a lot last year, and, and he really didn't perform. But but Carter is interesting, Davis, in the sense that I know who he is. And, and, I, and I remember the last game of his career against Miami rushing for, I think, 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And he had one other really big game, I think, during the season – but that's basically been it for two years with him. I know they took a shot, and I'm seeing a lot of fantasy analysts talk about him, how he's going to be the guy, and he's going to be really good. And he may be. I don't know. And, and really, it's just the opportunity to get a starting job in the NFL is kind of more important than the talent sometimes. But are you a Carter guy? Like, are you a believer here? Because outside of those couple games, I mean, I didn't really talk about him all that much when he was at North Carolina. Yeah, well, you know, he basically was the backup running back in North Carolina to Javante Williams. Now, he still put together two 1,000-yard seasons. He did have the 308-yard and two-touchdown game against Miami. He is the most expensive Jet in drafts right now. He goes about pick 85 overall, the only Jet that goes inside the top 100 picks. Uh, it's, it's very gross, and it feels bad to take him, but I found myself taking Tevin Coleman in these early drafts every once in a while. He goes about pick 175 overall. I think he probably will open the season as the Jets starting running back. 
Um, you know, like I think he probably gets the first carry. Don't know if he has anything left in the tank. Did not play very much last season at all. Uh, then they have Lamichael P. Ryan. They have Ty Johnson, who was the third down back for them last season. You know, it, it, and it honestly, it could just be gross, and they could end up rotating through four different guys, and which no one would want. Um, if if anyone is going to break out here, it would be Michael Carter. But I don't know if I feel comfortable paying this price tag on him right now. And, and, and we we also know Frank Gore is going to end up back on the Jets in the next two months. So let's let's also have him in the mix too. Uh, okay, wide receiver. Uh, Corey Davis is now a Jet, 984 yards last year and five touchdowns. We know who Crowder is. Elijah Moore is the rookie who they drafted. Denzel Mims was pretty underwhelming last year, but I'm guessing that this is the guy that's going to get huge looks. You can't whiff like this on a pick like Mims. So I'm guessing he's going to be heavily involved. And then Keelan Cole will make the team in some way. And if one of these guys gets hurt, he'll get a chance to play. But it, but th- these are five viable receivers here that are going to have – good weeks at a time, I think, in fantasy. So who, who are the ones that you find yourself taking? Well, this is uh, part of the reason why people feel a little bit bullish about Zach Wilson is this is a, a group of professional wide receivers. They take Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, a solid slot wide receiver. Corey Davis was very productive for the Jets or for the Titans last year, but not outstanding. Uh, Denzel Mims, a big air yards guy, didn't convert a ton of looks. He actually, according to reports from Jets camp, has been playing behind Keelan Cole to begin with, and they have even invoked the name of Braxton Berrios early on. Um, you know, I think I think that probably Elijah Moore is the one here we want for fantasy. He goes about pick one thirty overall. Moore is the the kind of breakout candidate to me. Okay, and then let's close out with tight end. We're still kind of waiting on Chris Herndon, who has missed time for different reasons: injury, suspension, two hundred eighty-seven yards last year, three touchdowns. Kenny Yaboa, I don't know a ton about, and I know Tyler Croft is is nothing except for a blocker and goal line guy. Yeah, I mean, Chris Herndon, we have been doing this with him for a while because he was a productive rookie for the New York Jets. And generally speaking, when tight ends produce early, that means they are going to be good. 502 yards, four touchdowns as a rookie, one reception before getting injured last year, 45 targets last year. Herndon goes in the very last round of these drafts. He's a fine flyer, but Elijah Moore is really the only Jet I want, period. Yeah, makes sense. Jets are going to be interesting this year. Someone will break out. Happens every year in fantasy. I wonder if it'll be the running back. It'll be Elijah Moore. It could be. I hope it's Denzel Mims. Did I waste another dynasty draft pick on on another busted receiver? Andy Isabella and Denzel Mims. How bad am I at dynasty football? Just taking my money every year. All right, coming up next, I'll try to make some money. I'm going to get a pick here from uh, George, Vegas, and Montreal. Would you believe with everything that has that Montreal has going for them tonight? Huge crowd, a lot of fun. Uh, they're they're an underdog tonight, by the way, against Vegas. So that tells you how good Vegas is. Uh, Montreal can close it out tonight. We will have more on that coming up next here on Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. It has been a fun Eastern Conference and Western Conference final in the NHL as we head toward the Stanley Cup final coming up early next week. To talk about that, give us a little bit of a preview of the West Finals Game 6 is George Kurtz. Of course, you could follow him on Twitter at George Kurtz and catch all of his work right here on Sports Grid. George, it's great to catch up with you here on this Thursday. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, you know, it's always my pleasure, Craig. Talk a little hockey with you. Well, thanks for coming on, George. And we're going to skip over the East because uh, I want to get to tonight's game here. And uh, and look, the, these series have been very competitive. Anytime you get past Game 5 into Game 6, I think you got to call it a good series. So let's take a look at this tonight. Over on FanDuel, I think everybody wants to know, is there a chance that the Habs are getting back to the Stanley Cup final. And on FanDuel, as it stands right now, they're about somewhere between plus 120, 125 underdogs tonight against Vegas. Vegas is going to be the prohibitive favorite, about minus 140. The total in this one is sitting right around five, some extra juice there significantly on the over. Of course, most games in playoff situations are going to go over that number. So simply put, are we headed toward a Game 7? Certainly appears that FanDuel feels like it could go that way. But, uh, boy, the, the, the crowd tonight in Montreal is going to be out of control for them to get back to the promised land. What do you think, George? I think you hit all the important notes there. I do. I think it's been a weird series. And let me tell you why. All right. Uh, first of all, Montreal gets all the kudos in the world, right? Uh, I know our own Gabe Morancy has been flipping out watching these games. Gabe's going to have a stroke. He's absolutely going to have a stroke. We're going to need replacements for him. But uh, most of us have not given Montreal as much credit as they probably deserve. Very few of us picked Montreal to beat Toronto. I did not. Uh, very few of us picked Montreal to beat Winnipeg. I did not. I thought Winnipeg would go on there. Uh, and then Vegas, I mean, we, we all, most of us think Vegas is a top three team in the NHL. They went through Colorado like, you know, hot knife through warm butter. No problem. We thought Colorado was a great team. Maybe number two over to you, uh, best team in the NHL. Yet they're up. They keep beating them. All right. And you think Vegas now has an, a, an interesting choice to make. All right. Peter DeBoer, head coach of Vegas, decides in game four that, hey, I'm going to when I say bench Flory, I don't mean benches. And we know when we say bench, we mean that's usually bad. You're benched. I don't mean that. He decided to bench Flory. It looks like because he wanted to give him a rest. It's very similar to what happened in the second round game one, where Flory played seven straight games against Colorado. He gave Flory a rest. All right. So he gave him a rest. And then Leonard didn't play well. He got shellacked, crushed by Colorado. Uh, by Colorado. He does the same thing in game four, right? Benches Flory for rest, plays Leonard. Leonard then plays great. I think the only reason. Vegas even won game four was because of Leonard. So we, have, we were wondering, what's he going to do for game five? Who's going to play goal? Is he going to go back to Flory, you know, who's playing great throughout the playoffs, or stick with Leonard? If it's not broke, don't fix it, and it wasn't broke. Personally, I would have stuck with Leonard, you know, because I'm a big believer if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm not – if the guy's hot playing well, he plays. just the way I believe. But that being said, I doubt very much I would have sat Flory for game four. Same reason. Not broke, don't fix it. He was playing so well. So what's he going to do now for game six? It's what we're all waiting for, right? It's, uh, I mean, is he going to go back to Flory? I'm not blaming Flory for game five. You know, it, Montreal came out flying again. And so like game one, if you remember first, the first half of uh, the first period of game one, Montreal controlled that period, but they couldn't score. Well, in game five, they did score. 
you know, and that seemed to break it through for game five. They scored a few more other goals. I don't think many, most of those goals I would not put on Florida. I don't think he had much of a chance on those. All right, so mind you, let's control the game. So what's he going to do for game six? Oh, you do you rotate goalies again? Go with Leonard, who played so well in game four. Do you stick with Flory? It, it's a tough, right off the bat, you have a tough call right there of what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do. I, I truly don't. I, I can make an argument for either case here. I think he sticks with Flory, but I'm not 100% sure of what he's going to do. Mind, you're going, you're playing in Montreal. This is the problem. If they were playing in Vegas, I would give them a much better chance here. But you're playing in Montreal. You probably should have lost both games in Montreal. You can make a big argument here that this series should already be over. Vegas has maybe played well for a complete game, one game this series. They just have not looked like the Golden Knights. I don't know what the problem is. I mean, Stone, Milk Garden. We haven't heard from him in forever. Marquez, So, Carl, so we're just not hearing from these guys. They're not showing up. Uh, Patrick did score last game, the ex-Canadian, so good for them. But I got to tell you, I don't think we're going to see a game seven. I think the Canadians are going to close it out here. Uh, I just think it's Montreal. You said it's so tough to play in that building. The fans are going to be going bananas, absolutely bananas. I know they don't have a full crowd, but still, it's going to sound like a full crowd here. You know, that We the North, that group there, they'd be flipping out for this game. And maybe more importantly, more than anything else, Carey Price. Even Vegas has won. They haven't solved Price. No one has solved Price. And I don't think isn't he, I don't think the pressure in Vegas was bothering him more or less in his own home building. He's not going to feel it. He's not letting in soft goals. They haven't they haven't allowed a power play goal yet. What is it over? I want to say twenty two or something like that. That's amazing. That they he, mm-hmm. they have not allowed a power play. That's just that's nuts. That's just crazy. That, that doesn't happen. So you can't even beat him when you're up a man. I listen. I won Game Seven. I love Game Sevens in the NHL, but I think Montreal ends it tonight. It's amazing to think that they possibly can. I'm seeing five ten thousand dollar minimum ticket tonight, uh, uh, Canadian dollars for for the Canadians game tonight. Uh, real quick, I, I do want to hit on baseball here with you, but uh, on the total here, I'm seeing juice uh, of about minus one forty on the over. A lot of times, it's like lands on the number, and then it's no fun, George. You just get your money back, I guess. But um, any any lean on the total here in tonight game? Yeah, you already said it earlier. Uh, I lean towards the over here as well, only because, yeah. and once again, I think it really depends on who's losing here. But if Vegas is losing, and it's two goals, they're going to pull the goalie anyway, right? It doesn't matter, five minutes, four right. minutes, six minutes left. They're not, not going to wait till 90 seconds left because you, you don't care. Either way, you're going home golfing, right? You're done. So they'll pull the goalie early. You could get one, two uh, empty net goals. And lately, it's, uh, everything seems to be going over more often here. So I think I lean towards the over. Once again, if uh, if I decide to, and I probably will, it'll be a small amount. It's not going to be nothing huge. I don't have any great feeling for it here. But uh, I lean towards Montreal and the over, but nothing huge. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's 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 Real quick, let's go to baseball here, George, because, uh, you know, I, I know we focus when we have you on and we talk about the Yankees a lot. Uh, Garrett Cole, of course, has been in the forefront here. Spin rates are now going down for a lot of players. We saw the spectacle a couple nights ago with what happened with Max Scherzer and Joe Girardi. We saw Sergio Romo, like, taking his pants down here. Uh, I mean, the question that a lot of the reporters are asking is the same one that I'm going to ask you. Do you think that what we're seeing right now with the amount of this sort of, like, airport TSA checking of the players, do you think that this is sustainable over the course of the whole season, or do you think that they're just doing this to make a statement now with the umpires checking the players and that eventually it's just going to slow down and maybe even stop? What do you think? Yeah, I'll go with the second part of that. 
know, uh, they're going to do it a lot now. We see every night everybody's getting checked, their hat, their gloves, sometimes the belt buckle, sometimes not. Uh, if the manager is, they're going to go out there and do it again. Uh, but this will slow down. I mean, listen, if you, even if you watched some of the games last night, which I'm sure you did, um, and national, well, I guess I don't want to say nationally televised games, but games with bigger audiences or bigger television audiences, the umpires paid more attention. I saw some games yeah. where they barely, oh, yeah, there's your hat, there, yeah, go, go away. They didn't want, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do this. You can tell they don't want to do it. Maybe some umpires do, you know, power trip and all that, but some don't. And I think that's what's going to be the whole, the whole thing here. And so I think as you go on week to week, it'll be less and less and less. I do wonder who's going to get caught. I think somebody will get caught. Yeah, you know, we thought it was Peralta last night, right? And after being the, the, his glove was too light a color. You gotta be kidding me. Uh, so that's why he, uh, they took his glove, not because of a substance, which I think we all knew right away. We didn't, he didn't get thrown out of the game. They just told, uh, told him to get a new glove. So I'm dying. Right. I don't want to say dying, but I'm curious who gets caught first here. But uh, I think it will get less and less to where you know we're not talking about it anymore. Yeah, I, and and I think that slowly but surely we'll move away from it, but I don't think that we're there yet by any means. All right, so the last time George was on the show, I threw the challenge down. He's had a couple of weeks to now uh, do it, and, uh, you know, it's a pop culture story, and, and I know it's a month old already, but with George, if we get him to watch something even six months down the line, we got to talk about it. George did watch the Friends reunion show, so congratulations to you, George. What were your thoughts? I know that there's so many people out there that have been waiting for you to come back on and give us your one-minute review. So the floor is yours. Friends reunion. Listen, I enjoyed it. I was, I'm was i a Friends guy. I have the DVD set here, and I still watch it every now and then. Yes, I am that old where I have DVD sets. I know I can, you can watch it on Netflix now or HBO Max or whoever has it. But uh, I, I listen, I liked the show a lot back in the day. Uh, and yes, and I, I told you about during the break, the only reason we watched it last night, and I want, we were going to watch it, but the only reason we watched it last night was because I knew I was coming on today and I didn't want to hear it from you. All right. My wife got, came home from work early. I didn't have to ref. It was raining here. And after the, uh, after the Yankee game, we're like, hey, want to watch it? My wife loved Friends as well. It's one of the few shows we watched together. So it was good. It was good, entertaining. I laughed a bunch. You know, some of that thought was nonsense. You laughed? I laughed a bunch. What'd say? You laughed at a show? I'm super impressed. I did. Listen, I, I thought Friends was funny. I did, my three favorite comedies are probably Friends. Two and a Half Men with uh, before Charlie Sheen went off the deep end and Married with Children. Right. Those are probably my three favorite oh. kind of friends. It was funny. I I enjoyed Friends. I, it, was, it was good. I think my biggest surprise out of everything was Tom Selleck coming on. I didn't see that kind of star, even though he was a star on the show as well, playing Rachel's, uh, what, Richard. Uh, I didn't see him, right. that he'd be on there. And by the way, people love this. When the singer comes out with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Lisa Kudrow. Feet? Yeah. Like, Lady Gaga's her name, by the way. Yeah, I'm like, I should, I should know who this is. It took me a second to realize. I didn't say anything to my wife. Yeah. I knew she would know. And I, it was confirmed in the credits. I saw Lady Gaga. I'm like, yes, okay, got that right. All right. Well, George, thank you again for joining into our pop culture in 2021. We really appreciate it. Uh, have a good week. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> my pleasure. Anytime. All right. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today right after this. Sports Grid. 
BetOnline.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Here on Sports Grid, we got fantasy or reality coming up. You know what's interesting, uh, Davis, is that we did a little fantasy reality the other day on on Conan O'Brien. I think we asked the question if he was a late night legend, and um, you know, I kind of went back and, and found myself in this like sort of wormhole of YouTube videos of Conan, and it even got me last night at eleven o'clock Eastern to tune in and catch his second to last show. And I guess tonight is his final show, but what really perplexed me, and I wasn't sure about this, I, I don't, I, you probably don't know the answer to it either, but uh, he's only on for a half hour on TBS. Uh, or at least last night he was only on for a half hour. I don't ever remember watching like a late night show for a half hour, but it was just him and Dana Carvey who goes back to my days of Saturday Night Live. But any, any interest in watching a finale live tonight or you're just YouTubing tomorrow or maybe not even at all? <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be watching. I did know. I did know that he was only a half hour though, because that was one of the things that he. I, I think in if I remember this correctly, and maybe I don't. Maybe Brett will tell me I'm wrong. But I, I remember that that was actually part of his, um, you know, like contract agreement when he was doing all this. When he was trying to figure out, you know, what which TV show am I gonna be on? Am I gonna go and do my own thing? Am I gonna remain in this institution? I, I think he didn't want to do the giant long shows. I think he felt like that was like not the ideal format. Cause I think correctly, I, I think he saw attention spans dwindling and realized doing a two hour late night talk show um, wasn't going to hold people's attention, you know, as much anymore. But uh, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I will watch on, maybe I will watch on YouTube. Cause I, I do, I do like Conan. Like he's an interesting guy. Yeah, well, well, to end tonight, I, I, an ending to a show is always, you know, seemingly a social media type thing. So uh, I, I will check it out tonight. I, I think I'll be into it tonight, no doubt. All right, uh, Brett, let's bring in Brett Levy, our producer today. Brett's got some good questions. But boy, you know, it's it's interesting how dominant the NFL is normally in the news cycle. There really hasn't been a lot of NFL talk over the last month. So we're going to see if we can spark that interest today. Brett, what do we got here as we end the show? Yeah, we got a few NFL questions, Craig, and uh, one fun betting question. So we'll start with the NFL. The NFL announced that the NFL Combine will go to a bidding process very similar to like the Super Bowl bidding process or the NFL draft bidding process where different cities will bid to the right to host the NFL Combine. This could potentially be beneficial for teams having all these prospects into your facility. So we'll ask the question, Davis, we'll start with you. Winning the NFL Combine bid is a big deal is this a fantasy or reality? 
So this is a huge deal. This is a, this is a complete reality. Indianapolis, uh, their, their like downtown economy gets a huge boost from all of the people from the NFL coming in. Now, it's not quite as big as the Super Bowl, though fans do go to the Combine. Don't, don't, uh, don't mistake this. Fans do go to the Combine. It is an event. Uh, but, you know, all 32 teams go. They bring loads of personnel. You know, my guess would be every team on average brings like 20 people probably to the NBA combine that or the NFL combine. Then you add the fans, then you add the media personnel, right? Cause you know, every, all major sports networks, all major newspapers are having guys go there. So it, it is a big deal. I will say it's kind of a bummer though, because Indianapolis is, has become like the destination. There's like this whole, uh, you know, culture that exists in Indianapolis as a result of the combine. All the writers go out to dinner at St. Elmo's Steakhouse. It's like it's like this whole thing, and it's it's a little bit of a bummer to me, Craig, to see you know just it just turns into like anything else. You know, the the almighty dollar ends up winning, but I, it kind of bums me out. I, I I liked it in Indianapolis. Yeah, I I, I would disagree. I, I would say that this is a fantasy because uh, I have experienced something similar to this for the last 10 years of my life, which is called Major League Baseball's winter meetings. And and I don't see that as a huge economic impact. And it's the same deal. You have 30 teams with writers from every single team coming in, players coming in. And I know this is a little bit different because you have staff coming in as opposed to media. But trust me when I tell you, Davis, media like to eat just like the staff. Now, I understand that, that this may change based on the fact that it's been very hard to scout players over the last year and the uh, combine has taken on a new life of its own but in terms of the financial impact uh, it, it may be possible that there is some but not big enough for me and i've never been a big combine guy to begin with so for me it's going to be a fantasy i think it's a wildly overrated uh, event where players get boosted up based on bench pressing and other events that don't matter on the field until i see something tangible the last 10 years of my life, I don't ever recall anything where a guy jumped and hit like one of those Lego little pieces, and that guy ended up being great because of that. So I say fantasy, but that shouldn't be a surprise coming from me. All right, Brett, what else we got? All right, our next question. We're looking at the Detroit Lions because their GM, Brad Holmes, said some interesting things yesterday. He said, uh, I never, when speaking about Jared Goff, excuse me, he said, I never viewed him as a bridge option. He's been a winning quarterback. I think his resume speaks for himself. Uh, when pressed a little further, he mentioned that when he called the Rams initially, Les Snead, the Rams GM, asked him if he wanted Jared. He said, yes, I do. And Les Snead replied, okay, I'm getting quite a few calls. So we got to ask, Craig, I'll start with you. Jared Goff will spend more than one season as the Lions QB. Is this a fantasy or reality? Yeah, and it's not Goff's fault, but there's no chance. There's no chance of this. He, he's being set up in, in the worst possible position, losing the top skill position at wide receiver. Uh, you know, not a great coach offensively who's going to be taking this offense back to the running game and, and the tight ends again. And, uh, and at least from what I saw when I was prepping for this, it does not look like the Lions have a top five offensive line and Goff can't move. So this is not his fault. He's probably better than what's going to happen here, but the end is coming near, unfortunately, for him. 
And if he wasn't making this kind of money, you could honestly look at a situation where Detroit could even replace him this year. So this is, I, I don't think that he's even a placeholder for next year. And I feel I'm a little worried for his health going into the year, honestly, with the way that the, the, the Lions are probably going to do this offensively. I got a fantasy on this one. Well, you actually hit on the reason why I, I think this is a reality, and it is because of the money. So this upcoming season where he is already locked in, he has a $10 million cap hit, so no reason uh, to you know move on from him there. But next season, he has a $31 million cap hit, and the Lions are locked into that unless they trade him. Uh, you know, if they if they cut him, that money is dead. Uh, it's twenty six million dead if they don't cut him. However, there is an out on this contract after twenty twenty two. He can be cut after twenty twenty two for a ten million dollars of dead cap instead of twenty six million. So I think probably he will be on the roster next season. Now I would say even with that money involved, had they taken Trey Lance with the number six pick. Um, or had they taken Justin Fields, or had they taken Mac Jones? Probably it's just one year, and they find a way. You know, they attach a pick, they get him out of the the team that way. But I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if the Lions can eat twenty six million dollars in dead cap to cut Jared Goff. So I, I think probably it will be a very unhappy marriage. I don't think Goff will be happy. I don't think the Lions fans will be happy about it. But I do think he probably is on the team at the start of next season. Uh, you know, I, I, w- I was told this about Brock Osweiler over and over again, and they found a way out of that contract and took and, a, and another team took on draft picks. You know, I, I just, since that happened, when I was told it could never happen, every time Davis, I, and, and you're right with the money being insurmountable, but I keep being told that, and they can't move Wentz, and this guy can't go, and that, and they can't, Trubisky has got to stay. And then it always ends up happening, and we never go back and find the accountability for these reporters who are saying it can't happen. It's unbelievable to me with this. So that that's you know part of my reasoning too. So somehow they work these things out. It, it always seems to me. But I am I am very I li- I actually like Jared Goff. I think I think he's just going to get a raw deal. This is going to be tough a tough year for him coming up. All right. Well, our next question, our last question of the day. Uh, Mattress Mac is back in the news, or I guess we're kind of asking, should he be? Because he placed a $2 million bet on the Astros to win the World Series. It would result in a record payout. But we're asking, just because someone places a bet, does it matter? So, Davis, we'll start with you. An individual, not necessarily Mattress Mac, anyone placing a seven-figure bet is news is this a fantasy or reality 99% of the time this is a fantasy it's not news because it's just some rich guy who has too much money i mean mattress mac does it to promote his business in houston and a large majority of the time when we hear these stories uh it is from a recreational better they have no inside information it doesn't move the line i mean that's the biggest tell is Mattress Mac walks into the FanDuel Sportsbook, places down his uh, seven-figure bet, the line doesn't move an iota. That should tell you right there, it's not news because this is not serious action from a serious person. The only people I ever want to hear about big bets coming from are from guys who are in sports betting syndicates who make their who make their living professionally wagering on sports. If, if we could get reporting on that, 
I would love that. I would love to hear about, you know, professional sports gamblers getting a million dollar bet down on a side in a big game. But I, I just do not care about Mattress Mac, about, you know, if Jay-Z places a million dollar wager, if Floyd Mayweather places a million dollar wager, don't care. And, and I'm glad you, you mentioned Mayweather, too, because he's one of those that, you know, has made news. Uh, you, you know, we, we are in a different era now of sports betting with it being legal, basically in, in half of the country. And I think the allure to the, the seven-figure bet was the fact that uh, a lot of us c- could never even make a bet at all legally in the country. So it was like, wow, we can't even bet, and this guy's got a seven-figure bet. He's flying to Las Vegas, and it was like this big charade. He's got to get to Vegas, or he's got to get to New Jersey. I've had enough of these. I have had enough of these uh, dudes who are betting big money. Like, congratulations. You can get a seven-figure bet down Again, years ago, it was really cool and interesting, and it had this mystery to it. But it has no mystery anymore. Like, congratulations, you have uh, $100 million in the bank, and you can take some of that and bet. Wonderful. Congratulations. And and what are the reasons why these bets are put out there? Naturally, because people on social media and people on talk shows are rooting for the guy to lose. I mean, that's the only reason why. They're, oh, my gosh, he lost all this money on a bet. This is not news anymore. These, these bets should not be making sports websites and stories anymore. And I was totally okay with it five years ago or four years ago or three because it was cool. It is not anymore. And as Davis mentioned, it's the same thing. This Mattress Mac is just basically laying off that he any if the Astros ever win the World Series, Davis, what happens is Mattress Mac says you don't have to pay for any of the furniture you buy there. So it's a layoff anyway for him. It's a hedge. So let, let's move on from these stories, please, and move on, as David said, to where there's interest or there's information or, or something like that, that there is, but if there ever was. To me, that is, is far more interesting, but yet we're going to hear about somebody else. And, and where do we go from here, by the way? Now that we've already worn out the million-dollar bets and the $2 million bets, what, are we going to start reporting on the $7 million bet and then the $12 million bet? Enough. Be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. We're back here live at noon Eastern. Jim Sanis will be with us previewing the NASCAR race at Pocono coming up this weekend, as well as Gray Albright returns talking some fantasy baseball with us here on Fantasy Sports Today. But for now, 
let's leave you with one final thought from Davis and me. But first, let's start with Davis to see what's on his mind as we end the show. Davis, Sports Grid 60 is all yours. Well, Craig, you're, you're going to think that this is rich coming for me. But I have really noticed over the last, oh, I don't know, month or two, you know, kind of fully vaccinated, been going out into the world a little bit. I, I am getting old, man. There are, there are just some real signs. I've been going to bed really early. The, uh, the new music page on iTunes, I don't recognize any of the artists. Uh, these, these music festivals that are coming back in the summer, you know, the game is like, oh, you know, how many, how many uh, artists do you recognize? Well, I don't recognize all that many. Uh, you know, notice that when I eat crappy food, we've talked about this one before, it like really sticks with me. Like if I'm eating some Taco Bell or something, like I am, I am feeling that one the, uh, the next day. So, you know, it's just a, a reminder to everyone out there, treasure, treasure your youth because uh, it kind of leaves a little bit before you realize it. Well, imagine pushing 50. You'll, it'll, make, it'll make you feel a lot better about your day, that's for sure. Well, uh, my day got started very interestingly. I don't often uh, suggest you guys listen to my podcast separately, Swings and Mishes, which I cover the Miami Marlins. But we did um, our podcast today on the Marlins, and we chose to make it a total of three minutes. As Sarah from LTN can attest to, it's very important to have ice cream at baseball games. And that's basically the only thing that I talked about on the podcast today. The Marlins are playing so poorly. They are 11 games under 500 in late June that we're forced to just talk about ice cream and nothing else. I would ask if the Marlins are watching this, could you please, if possible, win a few games so I can do a podcast when there is something positive to talk about? Because right now there is nothing. Thank you, of course, to Colin uh, over at uh, LTN, for sure. Thank you to Brett, Danny, and Ryan. Uh, thank you to uh, Davis, my co-host. I'm Craig Mish. Hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Connell.